This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with the hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello. Tony's back from vacation. You look rested. I look rested. You look rested. Do you feel rested? Um, not particularly, but not particularly. not tired either. You're not tired, but you're not rested. Okay. Well, no, that, that's just fair. normal. Okay. Well, you got to come back from vacation to rest up for work. Apparently that's okay. Uh, while you're away, a few things happen. Um, we're doesn't look like we're going to have much college football in the fall. Um, maybe some college football. I don't know how you feel about. Well, apparently the SEC and ACC uh, and who else Big thinks 12. they're playing? Big Twelve. Huh? Big Twelve thinks they're playing. Right. We'll and then the Pac-10 and or Pac-12 and uh, Big, the Big 10. Ten have said no go. So I call them the Little Fourteen. They call themselves the Big Ten. Whatever. Uh, my biggest concern is that the SEC is a football conference. The ACC, let's be honest, is not a football conference. It, it's well, other been. than the fact that they have Clemson. So, yeah, Clemson alone makes it a football conference just because Clemson is one of the top two teams in the country. Correct. Correct. They are one of the top two teams in the country. And then there's, I don't even know how many teams are in the ACC, but it doesn't even matter because none of the rest of them are even competing. Correct. Well, it used to be that, you know, Florida state or Miami uh, was relevant. Um, and I guess they were, they, they were pretty good last year. I, I mean, they used to be one of the pantheon programs in college football when Bowden was there. And even afterwards, didn't Jimbo Fisher won a national championship, I think. Yeah. Well, um, but yeah, they're not, he, he they're did. not really, I mean, they used to be perennially a top five team and now they're barely a top 25 team. So yeah. And you know, UNC has a pretty good football team. They're, you know, they're borderline top 25 every year, top 20. Uh, but yeah, they're, I mean, they're a basketball conference. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the big 12 isn't actually 12 teams, is it? I don't, I don't even know. I don't I think, they think it's less or more. I think it's less than the 12. I think they're 10 teams, but they never changed the name. So whatever the, the point being, the fall is going to look a whole lot different uh, in the United States. And I, don't think any college football is going to be played in the fall. I don't think those other three leagues are going to play. That's my well. It's going to be it's going to be difficult because just in terms of the scheduling and you know what are they going to do? Are they going to have you know are they going to have uh, the normal national championship? The four teams that get voted in. Nope. I just don't think any of that's going to work. Well, they, they already said the NCAA said that's gone. They're, they're not okay. having a fall championship. I don't pay attention to what the NCAA says about anything. So the <laughs> mythical anyway. So I, I just don't think we're going to see any college football. UNC today, after a week of classes, has gone completely online. So you're going to tell me that UNC is going to play football, but they're not going to have any classes? Yeah. Sure. Okay. I, I, I'm just not buying it. And I, I do not think the NFL is – I think they'll start and they won't finish. Yeah, I think you and I agree on that. Um, I think they'll they'll hang out as long as they can until they cave. If they actually had a different ownership group and a different commissioner, 
um, I would be more inclined to believe that they were willing to say, this is a professional league. These are, these are men who get paid millions of dollars. Many of them, they can decide. Right. They're, they're in a very low risk category in terms of their age and their general health. So if they choose to play, that's what we're going to do. And if you don't like it, you know, pound sand. Because I think the problem is you've got a lot of these governors, you know, we've talked about the uh, the little tin pot dictators who, who I think would actually, someone like a Newsom or a Whitmer, right, who would decree, you're or Cuomo or Wolf, where yeah. we live, that we're just not going to have football in California, New York, Michigan, Pennsylvania. You're not going to be permitted to play. Uh, and I could actually envision that happening. Uh, so I, I think there's going to be a combination of events that will lead the NFL to start. And then at some point there's going to be headlines that, Oh, you know, 13 chargers tested positive. Not that we care whether they're sick or symptomatic or sure. it's just, They've tested positive, and then sooner or later, it's going to be the inertia will be to shut it down. Yeah. Well, that well, the CFL canceled their season today because they asked for $30 million bailout from the Canadian government so they could play in Toronto, and the government said, no, we're not going to give you $30 million to play, so they're not playing this year. They'll be back next year, they say, but I, I have my doubts on that as well. Uh, that, that was just an aside because fall is going to look a whole lot different for all of us um, in the United States. Uh, without college sports, without pro sports, probably, maybe. I don't care about the NBA still. I don't care about Major League Baseball. And Penguins are out of the hockey, so I don't care about that either. So just <laughs> putting that out there for those of you who care. I know there's some uh, Capitals fans. Listen, I'm sorry for you, but that's not my problem. You, you're a Capitals fan. Well, and it's interesting. It's It's interesting to me that we are now at a point where, for instance, I was reading today that Sandy Barber, who is the athletic director at Penn State, because mm -hmm. uh, there's been a lot of pushback among parents of an alumni of Ohio State and Penn State, some of these Big Ten powers. And uh, Barber made the comment that it wasn't even clear to her whether the, the Big Ten had actually voted on this. <laughs> it was originally reported that it was 12 to 2, and I think only Nebraska and some other team had said no. Then it's a little unclear. Well, we're not sure actually what the vote was. And then Barber says today, I'm not even sure whether there was a vote. We don't even know how this happened. And <laughs> the other thing is that if you've been reading anything about uh, supposedly, no one questions, okay, well, why? Right. And of course, the, the, the general answer is just because, well, it's just not safe. Well, again, why? What is that based on? Because again, you're, you're talking about a population based on everything that we know, that is at very, very, very low risk from this virus. I mean, we're talking infinitesimal risk, less than getting killed by being run over by a bus, literally. In that age group, again, unless you, you've got comorbidities, and if that was the case, I'm sure that person wouldn't be playing anyway. Sure. Uh, they, would, you know, they, they would opt themselves out. So what is the reason? And is it clear to you what the reason is, Chad? The only I mean, thing is I've it heard you what what scientific basis, medical basis there was for this, other than well, we just have to be careful, and so we're just going to cancel. The only thing I heard was right as they were getting ready to cancel, there was the fear of myocarditis. That's correct. That is the and only, that and it just study. popped up out of the blue right before this cancellation came through. Nobody had really talked about it until then. Correct. Right. And now there are multiple cardiologists, including I think the the cardiologist for Michigan State, other doctors who weighed in and said. That study 
And these are guys that say, look, we're not, we're not really about football. I don't even care about football, but if you're going to predicate canceling a season on that study, which is incredibly flawed for a number of medical, legitimate medical reasons, it's nonsense. Like that should not be the basis. You want to cancel your season, go ahead, right. but don't use that as a purported you know, safety reason uh, because it just, it just isn't something that is a risk factor that should be the the driving force behind this is why we're going to cancel a season it's just not but but this is what we're we're in a situation now where you don't even need to justify this anymore you just need to say it's about safety just you got to trust us right you got to use the safety bin at the fast food place just trust us it's all science it's all it, all the smart people say that it's bad and so therefore this is what you got to do i don't think it's really based on anything um, and again, I, I'm not one of these people that's rabid college football guy who's like, they must play or my Saturdays are ruined. I don't, I mean, I like college football. I watch, <laughs> but it's more to me fascinating sort of the, um, again, like this lemming like willingness to just say, well, we're done. We're not going to do it without any, any robust conversation around exactly what is the justification for this? It doesn't matter. It's just because you're a bad person if you if you disagree. Well, okay. So my question becomes, well, there's two things. So the first one is, if myocarditis is truly the, the reason, can you tell me that canceling the football season will make sure nobody gets myocarditis? And nobody gets COVID-19 and gets myocarditis. Obviously, you can't say that because they could get it somewhere else. They could get it from going right. to the Walmart, grocery store, church anywhere they could get right. it and go to the post office how, how in other words how is the college football season enhancing the risk of someone which is already beyond minimal of contracting covid and thus getting this incredibly rare myocarditis yeah and i don't no want to say football it. i don't want to say this is football it, it was all fall sports it, Big right. Ten, every fall championship every fall sport canceled so here's what Scott Frost said at Nebraska that they they will lose 60 to 120 million dollars by not playing football. Now you can bemoan the fact that football, the football factory and the football runs everything and they get special treatment and all the things you want to say. But that 60 to 120 million dollars isn't coming from the women's volleyball team and it isn't coming from the men's soccer team. It's coming from football. And that leads to a lot of other things you will not have post this. And you're not getting it back. You're not going to say, well, we'll just get, we'll get $180 million next year. No, you won't because you can't make up what you don't have. It's not a, you know, well, it's just sitting there waiting for us to take it. No, it's just not going to be available. You're never going to make that up. That's what, whether you like this or not, as, as a, as a citizen of the United States, if you don't like that football runs these big time colleges, Okay, then don't send your kid there. Don't send your money there. Make sure it's not a state school and live out of some other state. But that's the reality of how these budgets are made. Now, I saw today that the uh, there are a number of colleges now charging fees to test the students. They're charging the fee. So my, my school, University of Michigan, is charging $475, I believe, to the students to make sure they're tested regularly. And they're making the students pay that. And that's not paid under federal aid. That's, that's an extra fee that they get to fork over as a privilege to go to the college that's going to be mostly online. Uh, that seems like a fair fair trade-off. Oh, sure. It? Well, they got to recoup their money somehow. Well, that one, one nickel Might as well gouge them on testing. So I'm going to bring up something that nobody is really talking about. 
Uh, big time college football coaches make a lot of money. When do we start furloughing them? Truly, do we need a staff of 30 if you're not actually playing a game, practicing, or doing anything? You can't recruit, you can't practice, and you can't play. Why well, the we thing is, you? that's all that's going to entirely depend on what it says in their contract. Sure. Well, and I have a feeling that you can't just furlough these guys. And there's the problem, isn't it? You've incurred costs that you can't now. Nobody anticipated you would never play a football season, but there's a sunk cost to getting nothing in return. And that's a problem. You, you can't make that money back. No, Jim Harbaugh, who I'm not a fan of Jim Harbaugh. He's a coach at Minis, uh, Michigan. He makes $9 million a year. He hasn't won anything. We've talked about this before. He's won nothing, yet he makes $9 million a year. And now he's not going to even earn that because he's not coaching at all. So that's a, that's a problem for me. Flip, the, to flip ahead a little bit. Spring football. That's a joke. Well, certainly in the yeah, Northeast. That, well, that's not gonna, that can't happen. Well, I just read today. Now, this is a great article, and most people don't think about this. When you go to a football game on a Saturday or even a Sunday for a pro game, it takes hundreds of people to get that football game stadium ready. I don't care if it's home or away. It's hundreds of people to get it up and running. It's probably closer to thousands. It, it could be. If you include the uh, broadcast stuff and the, the, everything that goes with that in the press. So using Penn State as an example, that, that stadium is about 70 years old. It's foundational portions. Uh, they said they have pipes that are freezing in 34 degrees. I'm sorry, 27 degrees. They had a game in two, two years ago that the pipes were freezing for the press box, and they had to take the announcers back and forth down to Porta John's on the lower level. That's at 27 degrees. We're talking about playing football in January. Now, if you've never been to State College, Pennsylvania in January, it's not 85 degrees. So you're looking at infrastructure issues where even if you don't have players there or don't have fans there, you don't have the infrastructure that supports that type of season. Nothing is made for that in the Northeast. Down the South, you might get away with it. Maybe they can handle it because it's a little warmer climate. But this is this is not feasible. And then you're going to have players who... You say, well, I'm not, I'm not playing because I might be high in the draft and I don't want to get hurt. I don't want to get injured. I don't want to deal with rehab. There is no, there's going to be no season for the Big Ten and the Pac-12. Not this year, not early next year. Maybe next next fall. Maybe. This is a huge change in life. Now you might say, yeah, I haven't missed it. And honestly, I'm in that situation. If it's not on, I guess I'm not missing it, am I? I'm just not watching it because there's nothing on at this point, right? Yeah. Again, I, my critique of all of this really has less to do with, I don't get to enjoy football. Although again, I, I'm a college football fan and I, I would watch it's, it's this unthinking acceptance of these sweeping mandates where we're to the point now where again, nobody's even demanding coherent, explanations for why this is happening it's just well we can't do it right can't do it it's unsafe that's the trust reason. us we're the experts dr fauci is concerned and and so it and this this is now becoming almost it's almost like we've been trained now they've trained us right. to accept oh the red siren went off sorry no no, no football like, well, what do you mean? Well, you know we were looking at our little sheet here and this doctor wrote a report it's scary so yeah 
We've got to shut that down. Hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. And again, it's not even about the money. To your point, there's now a lot of programs that many of these people who don't like football mm-hmm. do like, which yes. are not going to be funded. Yes. Um, again, I'm sure there will still be enough money uh, in the budget for uh, an assistant associate dean of super duper diversity, but you know, actual academic courses, people that are actually teaching these classes, we might not have money for that. Uh, so my whole thing about this is we are to the point where this is now to be accepted on faith that just can't do it. Yeah. And if you, if you even have the temerity to question, well, could you give me, uh, like, you know, well, I've heard about science. I heard you people like science. What is the science that explains this? You know, you're you're a denier. You're 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 one of the people that doesn't want to wear a mask. No, I just want to understand why a demographic group that is essentially, I'm not immune is the wrong word, but has almost no risk under 30. I mean, the case, the global cases of this of people who are under 30 are literally you you have a couple hands and you can count them. Yeah. You know, you're talking a couple hundred people. Um, so why is it that we're shutting this down and based on what information? And again, you were the same people that said thousands could gather and heavy breathe and burn targets. And, but, but now we can't have football, um, or anything else. Again, football is just another, um, it's just another one of the things that have been sacrificed here. So for me, to me, the mindlessness of this is what bothers me. Well, you brought up masks and you brought up, uh, our, our illustrious, uh, King Tom, uh, here in Pennsylvania today, it was announced. Now nothing has changed in the state of Pennsylvania. We're the same effectively as we were before, but today it was announced that all, all students in the state of Pennsylvania must wear a mask at all times even if you're six feet away. Now, here's what I want to know. If I go to church, now I can sit in my family group, and if we're in the, in the pew, we don't have to wear a mask. We can choose to. But we don't have to. You have to wear it in and out of the church. But if I'm a student and I'm six feet away, which is that magic number, six feet, you still have to wear the mask. Nothing changed between yesterday and today other than the governor decided to make another dictate with the uh, department of health and dr levine so now this is what we do we do we play this constant what's he going to say tomorrow what are we going right. to do tomorrow that we didn't know we All had to do until now must stand on one leg while wearing a mask i mean that's what it comes down to it's you have this this benevolent um, that's that's in quotes a little petty tyrant who's decided, yeah, you know what? I rolled out of bed today and I feel like, you know what? Masks should be mandatory for everyone. So let's roll with that. We'll get Dr. Levine to stride, you know, stride out to the podium and announce that to everybody. And, uh, does anyone, what, what is the new information? You remove that person. Uh, he's obviously a COVID denier. It's, um, yeah, it's incredibly infuriating. And I feel like people like Wolf, we talked about the fact that Wolf vindictively, I think is still withholding uh, federal relief funds from one of the counties in Pennsylvania. Yeah, he released it last week while you were away. He, what? he released it last week. Yep. And his, ah, he's a merciful ruler. Yes. He's, he's relented. He finally gave uh, it They have to kiss money. his signet ring. They did. Um, so they promised not to do it again. <laughs> I, I saw another, I, I, I saw another article that said uh, Wisconsin 
issued a decree to all public employees that they must wear masks during Zoom calls. Did you see this? I did not. Is that to promote the theory that the masks Yes, are great? exactly. Oh. It's just for morale. Gotcha. You know, we need to be good examples for the other members of the hive mind that so so now if you're a government employee and you're on a Zoom call, you've got to sit there with your with your mask on. Uh, so again, in, in it's, a room it's, by yourself, huh? In a room by yourself, in a room by yourself, mask, right? Yeah. Right, and you never know. I mean, it it could be somehow transmitted through the troposphere. So you just you just don't know. We can't be sure, and so caution is the best is the best option. Yeah. Well, in in uh, State College, Pennsylvania, you get a three hundred dollar fine for not wearing a mask in public. So they're fining people anywhere in public. So if anywhere you're in the middle of a park by yourself, well, if you're more than six feet away. You don't have to, but apparently, if somebody comes within six feet, you better get your mask on, or you're going to get fined. Uh, that, right? Or you, or, or you can choose corporal punishment, and somebody comes and paddles you. Apparently, this is the best use of our limited police defunding resources is to go That's out right. and looking for mask definers. Right. There's a, there's a home invasion down the street, but listen, we're busy. There's we spotted three elderly people in the park who are not wearing masks. Yeah. We need to issue a ticket. That, that, that's where we're going. But that's we've rehashed that a little bit, but I just the football season was the, the newest thing. Uh, while you were gone, uh, Sleepy Joe, and I like that moniker because I'm not even sure he's awake most of the time when he seems like he's awake. Sleepy Joe picked his running mate. And I, for all that's been said about this person, the fact that she couldn't even beat this field of do nothings, done nothings, and couldn't accomplish anything. And that's his choice. That that should bother everyone. This woman didn't even excite the base when she was a candidate. You know, you're not allowed to say any of this, Chad. Didn't you read well, the New York Times editorial yes, that uh, you you're violating yeah. the rule? Which which uh, again, we should talk a little about Sarah Palin. Yeah. That rule <laughs> apparently was not in place back when they were, were demonizing her. But now you're, you're already engaging in misogyny here, Chad, yeah, by saying saying things that are critical of Kamala Harris. But see, I didn't way, say her name. Kamala? I didn't say her name. I didn't say her, her gender. I didn't say anything. I just, this person. That's all I said. So right. Well, that's off, bad man. enough. Back because off, now you are, you're marginalizing her. I am, um, she marginalized by the way, herself. I, I've missed the whole, the whole controversy over her name. Is it not pronounced Kamala? I thought it was. I don't know what else. Is that wrong? I'm, I'm asking. I'm genuinely asking. I because, genuinely think it's Kamala. If it's not Kamala, is it Kamala? I don't know. I don't know. So I'm going to keep saying Kamala. I'm going to say Kamala. So I'll, I will await my fine in the mail. You should. Uh, you should. Saying that wrong. So Newsweek put out a, an op-ed last week uh, questioning whether Kamala, Kamala, however you want to say it, uh, is eligible to be vice president because her parents were not citizens of the United States when she was born. I want to say up front, I think the if you're birthed in the United States, you're a U.S. citizen. I think that's been well accepted for decades, if not longer. So I, I don't take any stock in this. I just report what, what happened. Uh, this is a new Newsweek op-ed. I think he's the, the gentleman who wrote it is way out in left field, and I'm not even sure why bothered writing it. But I want to play a clip from from press conference the day it was announced on the 13th. And I just want you to listen to this, and then I want to report what our buddy wrote. So hold on a second. 
Can't, can't understand the word you're saying. There are claims circulating in social media that Kamala Harris is not eligible to be to run for vice president because she was an anchor baby, I hope. Do you or can you definitively say whether or not Kamala Harris is eligible, legal, meets the legal requirements to run as vice president? So I just heard that. I heard it today that she doesn't meet the requirements. Uh, and by the way, the lawyer that wrote that piece is a very highly qualified, very talented lawyer. I have no idea if that's right. I would have thought, I would have assumed the Democrats would have checked that out before she gets chosen to run for vice president. But that's a very serious, you're saying that, they're saying that she doesn't qualify because she wasn't born in this country. No, she was born in this country, but her parents did not, uh, the claims say that her parents did not receive their permanent residence at that time. Yeah, I don't know about it. I just heard about it. I'll take a look. Uh, so that was a reporter with a mask on. So you can tell that was a great um, soundbite. Uh, that, that is being used as saying Trump is promoting the birther right. thing. It sounded like he was avidly promoting that. Yes. Our, our buddy, Dr. Fia, said, oh, see, he's promoting it. You got it. He's promoting birther. No. He didn't under he didn't hear about it until that day. He didn't promote it. I heard the clip. I'm confused. So you're seeing it run in the media. New York Times, Washington Post. Oh, he's he's questioning whether or not she's eligible to be vice president. She's eligible. Get over it. Nobody's saying that except this one guy, social media. Yeah, social media is repeating what Newsweek wrote. Well, so the other thing is just, just note even the fatuousness of the question itself, yeah. which so the setup is, Mr. President, I want you to respond to some article that was written in a magazine. Oh, and by the way, I want you to provide your legal opinion exactly. as, if, as if this guy's a lawyer <laughs> on on whether or not someone qualifies to be a vice president based on facts that I can't even really explain to you. Please go ahead, Mr. President, give us your definitive legal conclusion. What Trump should have said, which he basically did say, is I have no idea. I don't know. I, I she better show she better hope that she qualifies. I think he even said I, I would assume that they vetted that issue before right. nominating her. But why are you asking me? What do I yeah, can you verify that she's eligible to be vice president? How would I know? How would it and how then, would by the way, are you are, you are you gonna take my opinion? So if I say no, she should withdraw. Yeah. If I say yes, that settles the question. <laughs> I mean, why are you asking me this? It's ridiculous. Why don't you why don't you just turn to Jim Acosta and ask him? And if he says yes, it'll be settled. I mean, that's just as serious of an inquiry as asking the president something like that. It's ridiculous. It it is ridiculous, and it just keeps being repeated by the same. The same well, you know why like I was it. asked. Okay, it's oh, not I exactly why I was asked. The tactic is we want a soundbite where Trump goes full birther. Yeah. And says, absolutely not. I've evaluated this. I went on uh, legal wiki and uh, I've I've done my own research and clearly she's not qualified. Right. That's what they wanted. Right. And instead, he didn't give them the answer they wanted, the red meat, which was, I don't know. Basically, I don't know. I just heard about it. Yeah. Well, and, and they give him, they, they quoted whatever they wanted to quote. I mean, the words were there, but not in the context of what he actually said or what was asked of him, but you know, he's, he, he can't make me right. Settle it for that. She's eligible. Okay. She was born in the United States. She's eligible. End of story. Just like Ted Cruz was eligible. And did you realize I read this today? The, the press went after Ted Cruz, Marco Rubio and um, John McCain when they were running for president, because John McCain was building, uh, born in Panama. Right, right. Ted Cruz was born in Canada, and uh, Rubio's parents were not uh, American citizens, but he was born in the United States. 
But that goes down the memory hole every single time. It goes down the memory hole because, oh, you're you're questioning things. Okay. Well, again, what Trump should have said is, well, I don't know. What do you think? Well, I'm not the – what do you mean? You're just as much of a legal expert as I am on this, so you tell me. If you think she's qualified, then then go ahead and print that. That's fantastic. Yeah, and and I want to point out the Obama birther, that came from Hillary Clinton. Okay, now Trump ran with it, but it came from Hillary Clinton. Nobody talks about that. They always well, act like Trump. Allowed, came up that's with it. that that talk about being memory hold. Well, that that's not going to be allowed to be talked about. Well, and again, yes, Trump did irresponsibly yep. run with that because that's what he does, yeah. and so he should be criticized for that. Uh, but you're right; that did not originate with him. No, just like the Steele dossier didn't originate with Trump. People keep forgetting <laughs> that point too. Not to mention. We saw one of the uh, conspirators uh, got uh, pled guilty this week. Did you see that? Mr. Kleinsmith, um, for a quick recap, for those of you that have either become comatose <laughs> from the constant rehashing of the, uh, the Russia farce, but Mr. Kleinsmith is an FBI lawyer um, who is supporting a crossfire hurricane and he, because I think he he was another rabid anti-Trump guy. In fact, there's a, either a text or something from him before all this, you know, vive la resistance. So he hates Trump, you know, with a passion, just like all the rest of them. But he was asked to provide information or to vet information that was going to be provided to the FISA court because they, of course, wanted to get surveillance on Carter Page because he was their conduit to Trump. And so what enterprising Mr. Kleinsmith did is the CIA operative who needed this information had actually told the FBI and confirmed with the FBI, the FBI knew this, that Carter Page had been for a number of years, a cooperating source Mm -hmm. for the CIA, meaning he's helping the CIA investigate bad Russians. And the source that Kleinsmith was supporting, who had to attest to this with the FISA court, wanted that corroborated. Well, of course, Kleinsmith doesn't like the fact that Page is actually a helpful source because that's going to prevent them from getting surveillance on him because they're claiming he's a Russian asset. So what does Kleinsmith do? He changes the email, literally reverses the meaning. And so the email that says he is a source he changes to he's not a source so they can lie to the FISA court and pretend that this guy is legitimately under suspicion for being a Russian sock puppet. For that lie, which is a felony, he has now apparently, he's willing on an information (laughs) to plead guilty. Now, an information, I'm not a criminal lawyer, but basically that's not the same thing as an indictment, but what it does, it avoids him having to go in front of a grand jury, which would not have gone well. And it also potentially suggests that he may be willing to talk about other folks. We'll have to see about that. So, oh, by the way, Chad, the media has been breathlessly reporting every update about Mr. Kleinsmith, <laughs> correct? Yeah. yeah. Uh, at least one that I saw the same way, for instance, that it was incredibly important 24 seven, Paul Manafort, Roger Stone, this, you know, the walls were closing in and it was collapsing and the the nooses were tightening all of that stuff for all of these sordid little remoras hanging on the outskirts of the Trump campaign. And yet 
geez, I'm so stunned that the media doesn't really seem all that interested in an FBI lawyer lying, materially altering documents presented to the FISA court. Ah, you know, whatever. In fact, our good friend Andrew Weissman, okay, remind people who Mr. Weissman is. I don't remember exactly his connection. Well, Mr. Weissman no. is Mueller's second in command, oh. and actually since you you know, Mueller, as was apparent from his appearance before Congress, uh, has long since passed his expiration date, Weissman was the lead attack dog uh, on the team of prosecutors that were trying to frame up Trump for Russia collusion. So, so Weissman has the audacity to, of course, it's not audacity. These people are shameless. He tweets out the fact that, you know, what Klein Smith did should not even be prosecuted. There's nothing wrong. It's not even material. No, what? Wait, it's not material. <laughs> you, you're trying to get, let's remind people, you want a FISA warrant to spy on an American citizen who's never been accused of a crime, who is cooperating with the CIA, but it's not material that you lied to make it seem that he wasn't doing that. And in fact, it was the opposite. And that's not material to the charge, according to legal uh, illuminous Andrew Weissman. Uh, if, remember, if you also want to read about Andrew Weissman, he's the guy that prosecuted Arthur Anderson, Ugh. got 18,000 people, lost their jobs, the company went under. That prosecution was so corrupt, it was overturned by a 9-0 vote of the U.S. Supreme Court. Sure. Um, sure. He, he is, he's about as corrupt and unethical as it comes, and yet he's the guy brandishing the martyr placard for poor Kevin Kleinsmith. Yeah, well, did you notice that Rachel Maddow dedicated months, almost over two years, to the Russia investigation, and she didn't even cover this at all? So interestingly, oh. she doesn't care about another, truth. And another stunning development. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Oh, and by the way, Ellen fired three producers today. Ellen DeGeneres. I don't, I don't know if you care about oh. that. It's, it's big news amongst certain circles. I heard her Her show is she's actually mean. Yeah. Is, that, is that what you're saying? That's what you're saying. I don't know. Wow. Gonna be Who would have thought it? So going back to Kamala, that's what the reporter asked. Good choice, bad choice, does it matter? Well, based on what, what standard of evaluation? Does it, get him, does it help him Biden get elected? Or does it change anything? I'm so I, I want to tell a little story. So I, I'm walking around my neighborhood. Nobody has political signs up in the neighborhood except one guy. And he's out watering his grass and he's got a Biden 2020 sign in the front yard. So being the friendly guy, I walk up and say, you know, just introduce myself. So I'm just walking around, seeing you out watering your yard. I see your sign. Can you tell me, you know, why you're choosing Biden? You know, why you're supporting Biden? And he spent the next five minutes telling me why Trump was so awful. And I said, okay, I understand you don't like Donald Trump, but why do you like Joe Biden? And he really, he said, he's a union guy. I'm like, he's what? He's, he's a union, union supporter. He's <laughs> ambulatory? <laughs> union guy. He, he supports oh, okay. the unions. I said, okay. okay. So if, if I'm undecided, the only reason you can give me to vote for Joe Biden is because he supports unions. That's it. And I thought to myself, and I walked away and I it was very friendly, but I thought that's the best you can come up with. It's not, we're back to the 2016 dynamic. People held their nose and voted for Trump because they disliked Hillary immensely. There might be still people who will say, I dislike Trump. He's a horrible human being. He, he brings down your Christian witness by, by having anything to do with him, any thought of ever voting for him because you're just an awful person if you do anything for him. But I haven't seen anything from Joe Biden that makes me go, 
wow, yay, I, I'm really happy that Joe Biden is the other choice. And it is a binary choice. Contrary to what people keep saying, it's a binary choice. One of these two is going to be elected president. It's not going to be a third option. I don't care who's running third option. Not going to be a third option. So it's one of these two is going to be our president in 2021. Right. Well, I mean, Kamala Harris is, you know, as cynical a choice as there could have been. Um, the Democratic Party is driven by only one thing. It's identity politics all the way down. So the only the only relevant qualifications are uh, that she's a woman and that she's a person of color, as they say. Right. And, and Biden committed himself to this from the outset. Yeah. And what's fascinating is that you could actually argue, and of course she's she's already being uh, portrayed by the usual media outlets. You know, she's a moderate. <laughs> That's right. That's yeah. right. She's a moderate. Bernie's a moderate. Nancy Pelosi's a moderate. Sure. Hugo Chavez was a moderate. Sure. You know, sure. Fidel Castro is a moderate. That's fine. Um, we all know that. She, I mean, she has fully. She's fully on board with every left left wing crusade uh, that they're you know that they're going to try to shove down everyone's throat. But what's fascinating is. There's a large segment or, or maybe at least a significant segment of the sort of progressive base that doesn't like her because she was notorious as a San Francisco DA for throwing lots and lots of people of color in jail for things like marijuana. And so they don't like this. They don't like the whole, oh, you were putting people in jail because generally the modern Democratic Party, in, including in 2020, they don't really like anybody being in jail. Other right. than Donald Trump and those who support him, right. um, so she she brings some baggage where she can actually be attacked, sort of from the left. As well, wait a minute, you were kind of tough on crime, although it's not about being tough on crime. It was just about whatever she does, whatever she needs to do. She's very reminiscent in her political uh, personality of Hillary Clinton. They, they yeah. are kind of two peas from the same pod. She's ruthless. She will say anything. In fact, did you catch the clip? She was apparently on Stephen Colbert's show, receiving a warm tongue bath from him. And um, Colbert asked her about her somewhat awkward comments during the primary that, well, I believe the woman that is accused yeah. Joe Biden of basically raping her. And did you see what her, her response was? I did not see the response, but... I can only imagine. So her, her response was, it's a debate. <laughs> it's a debate. As if that's an answer. And, and of course, Colbert just kind of chuckles and doesn't follow up like, well, so are you saying you're just lied because it was a debate? I mean, it is such a nonsensical answer. And of course, do you think a single person in the media is going to ask her, you know, uh, Kamala, you expressed previously that Number one, you thought that Joe Biden was a racist. Yes. Ha has your opinion changed on that issue? And if so, what uh, what incredible event has caused you to change your opinion? And also, you you said that you believed his accuser, who has essentially claimed him of uh, raping her, um, or at least sexually assaulting her. Do you still believe that? And I guess the answer is going to be, it was a debate. Everyone lies at the debate. I mean, it's incredible. And you know what? She says that. And here's, you know, Stephen Colbert, or Mr. Wisecracking, sarcastic, progressive. And he has nothing to say about that. He He's just a useful idiot going right along with it. Like, oh, that's a legitimate response to that question. Okay. Um, so that, you know, she's, 
I don't think she's going to move the needle for him in any way other than she placates a segment of the base who demanded woman, person of color. That's it. And I don't disagree with that, anything you're saying there. And I think but Slate had, I think it was Slate, had uh, 55 things you don't know about Kamala Harris. And they start going down to where her parents were very accomplished. She did mission trips to India with her grandfather, who was basically a community organizer in India. There was two two pieces there, like it was like seven and eight or whatever, um, talked about her association with Willie Brown. Yes. Um, so she had a relationship with Willie Brown, who's 30 years her senior, and you know they, they hit it off, and he encouraged her to get into politics. And then the next bullet is, well, and then she decided there wasn't much of a future with her relationship <laughs> with Willie Brown. And I'll get to the punchline here. Uh, so she was strong enough to end that relationship and and be a, be her own person. What right. they didn't mention was Willie Brown was married. That's <laughs> why there was no future because he wasn't going to leave his wife for Kamala Harris. So she wasn't strong. She just was the other woman. I, I'm confused how that makes her strong. A strong woman who got into an extramarital affair and then it ended because he wouldn't leave his wife. So you're sure. being you're being misogynistic again by uh, pointing this out. Um, and remember, sure. we only care about extramarital affairs when it relates to Donald Trump. Donald Trump. Yeah. We don't care about them when it relates to Bill Clinton, Ted Kennedy, John Edwards, and certainly not Kamala Harris. It's extra worse if you point it out as it relates to her because that's sexist. Well, it, it brings me up back to our buddy who hasn't mentioned a word about that. Nothing. It could be because he didn't, she wasn't vulgar on a tape, so therefore it's okay. Or yeah, you know what? I mean, it really does come down to, in many ways, it's about style. I guess. If you, as long as you're not openly vulgar, um, you can, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of, um, do you remember, have you seen the movie uh, Denzel Washington, Man on Fire? I have. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, and the reason I'm bringing it up is because there's a scene in the movie, if you haven't seen it, um, it's pretty violent, So, but it's it's good. Zenzel Washington um, opens a can of you-know-what on a bunch of guys that have kidnapped <laughs> this young girl that has given him hope in his life because he's this alcoholic, former kind of assassin guy uh, who's been contemplating suicide, and he becomes he be, he comes to love this young girl that he's protecting and then he thinks that she's killed by a bunch of mexican cartel guys or the kidnapper anyway there's a scene in the movie where he's riding with her to her piano lesson and she doesn't want to go because her parents are the ones that are making her do piano it's not really what she's about she's a swimmer and so he advises her he says okay um when you start practicing with this esteemed teacher just can you make yourself burp She's like, yeah, it's like, just start burping every couple of minutes. And he says, it will offend every sensibility that the man has. This is what Trump does mm -hmm. to people like our friend. Now, I'm sure he would say, yes, there's many, many substantive things that he can point to about Donald Trump. But really, what it comes down to is his whole persona offends every sensibility that people from a certain environment and these people tend to be not always but academics in the media right these sorts of highly educated people who they just can't fathom him his mere existence drives them crazy and so that's what's that's the reason it's it's this visceral reaction 
And it's less about, because again, if you ask these people, all right, lay out your indictment. Because he's he's a tyrant, he's a threat to democracy, he's gonna you know he's gonna destroy the galaxy. What is it that he's done? And what you usually get is a very thin gruel list of it's the same stuff. It's the tweeting, and it's the it's like well, wait a minute, there's not that much there to build the case that this guy's one of history's great villains. But it's because he in himself, in his personality, in his language, in his crudity, they just can't stand him. That's, that's fair enough. Yeah. Okay. You can, yeah. you can dislike a politician for any reason whatsoever. There were people that couldn't stand any word that came out of Barack Obama's mouth. Okay. Sure. But I have made the point to our friend and others like him that those people that disdained Obama for everything, and I think Obama was a terrible president, but you're the mirror image of those people. You, you are the same as those people, only now it's a different guy. And your reaction is everything that he does, everything that he says, every nothing can be good, all is bad. Yeah. That's well, it. I, I, I was reading his article about an evangelical reader grieves about the church and America's broken and Jared Kushner's partially to blame. I, I just I, I came to the realization, and I should have realized this sooner, we have two different beliefs about the what government means. And in their world, at least in his world, it looks like government should be there to solve all your problems yes. and hold you up and fix you and pat you on the back and wipe your diapy when you're done. And I don't. I, I don't no. I, I don't I don't appreciate the crudeness. I don't appreciate the 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 way he behaves, but I don't expect anything more from him. Right. And you know what? That's, that. it's interesting. The article you're referencing is written by a guy named George Packer, mm -hmm. who I actually think, I thought that article was, was a screed, but he wrote an article in Atlantic America is a failed state. And he makes the case that basically the reason we're a failed state is all because of nasty conservatives and, and Republicans. And of course, Donald Trump, in fact, he even manages to throw Sarah Palin under the bus and makes the claim, literally makes the claim that our political culture right now is somehow devolved because of her candidacy. Like, Okay. But to your point, and I don't know the exact language because I don't have it in front of me, but one of the things that he, he charges Trump and conservatives with is something along the lines of he says they're pillaging public assets for essentially to, to pay off you know, private interests. And I thought to myself, and of course there was no evidence provided, that this is just this conclusion, but I thought to myself, what could that possibly mean? For instance, when you're talking about public assets – what does he have in mind? And I think what he has in mind is basically anyone that says, maybe we don't need an additional $30 billion going to the department of whatever, right? right? Maybe we don't need that. That is a person who is pillaging public assets. Because here's the thing. There is no such thing as a public asset. <laughs> what, what, is a, what would you define as a public asset? Uh, federal parks. Okay, right. It, you know, Oil federal reserves. parks, um, mineral rights. Highways. But but again, it's this mindset, as you point out, that essentially everything should revolve around government. Everything good, everything beneficial, everything that is needed to fix problems should be found only in the government. And anyone who questions that, anyone who suggests, for instance, that we have too much government and we have government that is highly inefficient, that's spending way too much of, by the way, 
our money, mm-hmm. a, my private assets, which are much more tangible than exactly. these ephemeral public assets of which he speaks, yeah. that person is a bad person because government should be what we look to. Remember the whole thing Obama ran? What was the uh, the very creepy thing, the animation, Julia? Was that what it was? Do you remember this? I don't remember that at all. They put out this incredibly Orwellian thing where it was the life of Julia, and it explained how from cradle to grave the government was going to take care of Julia. And if you're somebody who is not a lockstep progressive. I mean, it, it, it was something like, you know, a Kirk Vonnegut deal where it's like, wait, wait a minute, you, you think this is a good thing? You know, when Julie is born, the government will pay for neonatal care. And when Julie is 12, the government will help her start a lemonade stand. And when Julie is 18, the government will provide her with health insurance. And it was, again, this whole worldview that says everything, it, everything is about the government, what the government can do. And anyone who opposes that vision is a problem. Yeah, that, that uh, actually Bill Bennett wrote for CNN in 2012 about that, and it shows a Julia from the age of three to age of 67. Did I get the, did I get the name right? It was yep, Julia. It was Julia. Life yeah. of Julia uh, explains how Obama's policy from Head Start to Obamacare to mandated contraception coverage to Medicare reform would provide Julia with a better life than Mitt Romney or Paul Ryan could. Just yes. That the quote you're looking for is. Uh, uh, Packer references this quote from Jared Kushner says the federal government is not designed to solve all our problems. I agree with that. I don't believe the federal government is there to solve all of our problems, but I believe that our friend and the people he quotes constantly do believe that they believe he, that the government is there to protect you at all costs. And I think when we look back at the 19th century, this gentleman, the guy we're speaking of is a historian, but he, he detests the 19th century politicians because they do not think that government is there to solve all of your problems. He thinks that's wrong and progressives. I think his livelihood began when when uh, TR became president and the progressives kind of ramped up everything they did. Now, I was listening to somebody today and I, I challenged somebody to come out and talk about this. They, they, they champion FDR as this great everything. He is the end all and be all of existence from everything you can possibly think of. Well, except for that icky Japanese uh, internment and, thing. And that's it right there. So Hillary, or uh, yeah, Hillary compared Trump to Hitler and every left-wing rag has compared him to Hitler, but he's not put people in concentration camps. FDR literally put people in concentration camps. Now, I want to give FDR a bit of a justification. We never talk about this. The uh, Pearl Harbor attack was perpetrated by, they weren't Americans because it wasn't the state of Hawaii at the time, but in American territory, there were Japanese Americans, for lack of a better term, who were helping take pictures. There was a dentist's office who took pictures of the Pearl Harbor uh, battleship row and gave them to the Japanese because he felt fealty to Japan. So there was a justification, however weak it was, for interning the Japanese Americans for fear that something else might happen on the West Coast. I'm not justifying. I'm just saying there was an actual sure. rationale behind it, however misguided it was. But we never talk about those things. We always talk about how he created the Great, the great uh, Depression was ended because of Roosevelt, which it wasn't. It was extended. We talk about how he put people to work and gave them a lack of uh, fear and how everything, all these great things. But he was, a ma- he was a flawed man at best, and yet we just, if it's a Republican, it's Hitler. If it's a Democrat, 
It's the greatest thing you've ever seen. Slow Joe, third was his, his third time running for president, and, and the first two he was at least alive. This one he's in his basement, and yet we're supposed to believe he's so much wiser now. He knows so much more. He couldn't even get an endorsement from Obama until there was nobody left. That's when he got the endorsement. How does that? How am I supposed to think that this guy is everything you tell me is? I see him overreact. I see him lash out at people who ask him questions he doesn't like. I see him can't remember anything when he's talking. And he just saddled himself with a woman who called him a racist and a rapist. And that's okay. I'm supposed to think because it was a debate, it's just okay. Well, and you know what? So I want to expand on this a little bit because an interesting sort of additional discussion about this, okay, as Christians. So one of the things that our friend and many others uh, constantly discuss, and it's a legitimate issue, is how can any Christian possibly vote for Donald Trump? Because he is about the most immoral person that we have ever encountered in the history of the world, right? And so, and they point to all of these personal failings, these character flaws that are entirely legitimate. And and I have said from the beginning that I respect somebody who takes the position that as a Christian, Donald Trump as a man is not somebody that they can support in the Oval Office. Fair enough. that That is a principled, legitimate stance for any Christian to make because Christians can decide on a whole wide spectrum of things why they're going to vote for president. And if, if the person who's a Christian who prayerfully says, listen, that guy in his personal decorum and how he treats women and how he conducted his business and how he speaks in his unstatesmanlike way and his lack of truthfulness, I cannot stomach that. It is not something I can support. i I completely understand that position. However, when we start having a broader discussion of, because our friend, and he's not the only one, will frequently intone, for instance, that Joe Biden is a Christian (laughs) and Kamala Harris is somehow Christian adjacent or something. We're going to learn more about this. Okay. Now, again, I'm not here to question any individual's faith. I don't know Joe Biden. I don't know Kamala Harris. However, when we then start examining- Right. So when we then start examining the policies, and of course they point to policies that Trump, children in cages, et cetera, and he hates immigrants. Okay. We never seem to have any examination of, for instance, how are you going to make the claim that Kamala Harris is acting consistent with a Christian worldview when she is openly and stridently in support of unrestricted, this is one issue unrestricted abortion on demand. Okay. She is about as radical as it gets on that issue. Shouldn't there be some questions posed to her? Some questions internally being asked by someone who, who claims I need to assure myself that the person I'm supporting, I believe is acting consistent with Christian principles, even though nobody's perfect. Right. There never seems to be any examination of that. Another another perfect issue. And by the way, Joe Biden, who has towed the line for his whole career about, you know, I'm, I'm a staunch Catholic and I'm pro-life. Well, now Joe Biden is fully on board with the entire Democratic, and I will use this term, pro-abortion ticket because that is their platform. They have removed any language about wanting it to be rare. They want unrestricted abortion on demand for any reason, and they want it to be taxpayer funded. And Joe Biden is now fully embracing that position. My question would be, if you're someone that has moral outrage about, say, children being separated at the border from their parents or people that we think might be their parents, 
that's fine. That's something that we should we should try not to have happen. It's it's a tragedy if it does. But if you're going to wax morally indignant about that and yet talk in these very dry, almost tactical ways about, well, yes, I'm pro-life, but we really shouldn't focus on Roe v. Wade when if you're a Christian and you believe in the sanctity of life, 300 to 400,000 children alone by Planned Parenthood are being murdered every year. I somewhat question how you're balancing those sort of competing moral issues. Another perfect example is someone like Kamala Harris and Joe Biden are fully on board with LGBT, the the trans agenda. Now, again, this isn't about those people, but it is about a policy which says, if you ask Joe Biden, do you think there are two biological sexes? I don't know how he would answer that. I'm pretty sure that Kamala Harris would say, maybe not. Right? I would agree with you. Yeah. So as a Christian, so somebody that believes that God created man and woman in his own image, don't you think you would have some fundamental questions about how do I get behind someone whose policies deny the very reality of the created order? Because that's exactly what that movement does. None of those questions ever seem to be asked because the focus is simply on Donald Trump sent another crude tweet today. And I simply think that that approach is very, very out of balance. And it seems highly selective in the way that it focuses on certain things and completely ignores what I consider to be very fundamental other things. I think it goes back to my story of earlier when I talked to the neighbor. If you can't give me a reason to choose your candidate, bashing my candidate is not going to convince me to vote for your candidate. It's, it's, it's not going to change my opinion. So you've got to give me positive reasons. This is, this is reality across the world. If you bash, 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 all you're doing to quote our friend is throwing red meat to the base, but you're not actually convincing anybody who's undecided. However, 12 or 13 of those people there are that they should vote for your candidate or not vote for the other candidate. All you do is just rail daily, article after article after article about how this person is the worst human being that's ever existed. And we're still touting the fact that three Republicans are going to talk at the Democratic National Convention. You mean three never-Trumpers are going to talk at the Democratic National Convention. I don't care. John Kasich can talk all he wants. I don't care what he says. I didn't care when he was running for president. I don't care now. So suddenly that's going to change my opinion. Oh, well, no, John Kasich is, is talking at the Democratic National Convention. It must be important. It must mean I should vote for Joe Biden. I, I get tired of the gotcha, the one up on this. That, and I'm sure the Republicans do the same thing. They'll have some former well, Democrat first, who will talk about it. I don't care. Issue that, that you mentioned sort of current events wise that the media has completely ignored. Um, the agreement now between UAE and Israel. Yeah, I was coming to that. <laughs> have um, have you seen anyone discussing that anywhere in the mainstream media other no. than to somehow minimize it, explain it away? It's not really that important or whatever else. Now, again, just flip the, flip the script. Had Barack Obama, the light worker. Remember, he won the Nobel Prize for doing just nothing. existing. Yes. Just existing nothing. because of his own inherent greatness. Did nothing. Um, had Barack Obama achieved that sort of agreement between the United Arab Emirates 
and the state of Israel with the historical antipathy there. And that's a big deal. I mean, if you read anything from people who are experts in that region, this is a significant development. Now, does it mean there's going to be peace in our time and everyone's going to sing Imagine? I don't, I don't think so. But it is clearly, let's put it this way, even the most uh, passionate and ardent Trump hater, if you at least have a clear-eyed view of the world, would, would have to say, I think that's a pretty good development, sure. right? Is sure. it good or bad that you know, UAE, Islamic State, has essentially said, eh, we're going we're gonna to have a rapprochement with Israel? That's a pretty good thing, Right. Right. Has any credit whatsoever been given to Trump for doing this? Oh, no. None. None. And none. you will get none because it's Trump and because Jared Kushner, who's almost equally hated by the same people because he's married to Trump's daughter. And he's, you know, been given a handout everywhere he goes. He's accomplished nothing. He just talks in circles and he's accomplished. People died while he was in charge of coronavirus response mass death ensued okay so let's let me put in perspective i did want to bring that up it is a significant effect because it does isolate iran further in the region they were trying to expand their influence and this kind of sides are being chosen and at least for the uae it's not iran so that makes them a little weaker in the region a little less dominant uh Again, I don't know that it changes the the view in the area, uh, but did you see also that last week, and you probably didn't, but that last week, uh, Joe Biden tried to take credit for this. Of course. Because he had talked to those people at some point in the past. Okay, but wasn't it Obama who actively worked against Netanyahu's re-election as prime minister? So yes. do you think this was going to happen under Obama? I believe no, never, not going to happen. They were never coming to the negotiating table with well, Obama. They're never going to do anything that undermines Iran. No. Now, which again, if you want to talk about moral issues, yeah, how is it from okay. a Christian perspective that we're going to look at the willingness to fund, yeah, to bring back into the world community, and we could talk about the geopolitical implications here, but nevertheless, they would rather support. The, the world's largest global sponsor of terrorism, mm -hmm. then be happy about the fact that Israel and the UAE have reached an agreement, which, like you said, undermines the power of people who, by the way, hang gays and lesbians from cranes. Yeah. Okay. It's right. a, it's a theocracy, a medieval theocracy. You, you think that Donald Trump is the epitome of great evil in the world these people actually murder people yeah. all day long in the public square for their identity yeah and we don't really have any qualms about that whatsoever well and i want to talk about this agreement a little bit more i don't love the agreement but i recognize if you're trying to get somebody to the table you got to give some stuff up it looks like only israel gave up but they've agreed not to build on the west bank which is part of the s agreement for the uae to normalize relations They've agreed not to do that before. This isn't new, but it finally was enough for the UAE to say we'll have normalized relations. Uh, I, I don't know what it means in the long term. I don't know if it means anything. I don't anything. think it means a ton. No, but it's something. But again, it's, if we're just focused on which direction are we going in, 
is this a good is this on the merits good even if perhaps a very incremental very tiny step that may amount to really nothing more okay fair enough because that region is a basket case but is it better or worse now than it was a week ago i would say better but those that don't like donald trump have somehow found a way to say no no worse well and that that's the problem it, it, if you change it around, as you said, if this was Obama having done this, he would get a he would get a peace prize. He would get a Nobel Peace Prize for having done it. When Trump does it, it's oh ho hum, I can't believe it. It's not really dump something. Or, you know, Biden was part of that and you just kind of finished up, picked up the scraps after he was done. I I think it's significant in that outside of <laughs> outside of what Carter did, and I, I question what how he actually did with uh, Egypt and Israel, uh that's a pretty significant turn of events in the Middle East. I, I really believe it's something um, positive. Now, you know, if I'm Iran, I'm probably not looking at it as a positive, but I'm not Iran, so I'm not really concerned about that. Uh, but Jared Kushner was involved in that, and apparently that's a bad thing because he's Jared Kushner. And Donald Trump is taking credit for it because he's the president, and guess what? He gets credit and blame for right. everything. At this point, again, there's no need for them to even explain. It's self-explanatory, which is everything that he does uh, is wicked and nefarious. And so we don't need to explain ourselves anymore. And see, I think that's the most – that's what leads me to conclude that these people have no credibility. Because someone who is an intelligent, rational person should be able to look at Donald Trump on an issue-by-issue basis and say, you know what? I detest the man. I think he's a cretin. I think he is of incredibly low character. But this one thing that he did, I will, I'm willing to give him credit that that was a good thing. And this, this one speech that he gave, this thing that he said about democracy, that's also a good thing, even though I think the rest of it is terrible, right? Right. People that are reasoning, that have the ability to separate those things, you should be able to say that in the same way that someone who is a conservative should be able to look at someone like Barack Obama or even Bill Clinton and say, you know what? I think fundamentally that Barack Obama is a man of the left. I I really don't like his approach to race relations. I don't like his, I detest his approach to foreign policy, but that particular thing that he did there, that speech he gave, that was good. I, I agree with those sentiments. I agree that he seems to be an excellent father and husband, right? I, that, those sorts of things we should be able to in the midst of our partisan disagreements, be able to acknowledge even about people that we disagree with, that is completely absent, impossible with Donald Trump. Just cannot happen. No, and that, and that's that's sad from a fundamentally honest perspective. If you can't look at a, and I can be rational, I like more of what he does than what than what he doesn't do. Or I'm sorry, I like more of the things he does versus the things I don't like that he does or says. I, I never, and this is my worldview apparently coming through, I don't expect certain things from my president. I don't expect him to be super nice, uh, down-to-earth, you know, salt-of-the-earth type of guy. I, I don't expect that, for, or woman, if that ends up being. I do not expect that from, from my president. I expect him to be hard-nosed. I expect him, you're going to be surprised at this, I expect them to lie to me. Constantly, not 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 blatant lies. You can you can check easily, but I expect that I'm being lied to every time a politician speaks. 
<laughs> I just, I, I just, well, are, you, are you saying the, that, are you saying that, okay, so let me tease this out a little bit. Are you saying that because there are certain things out of necessity that you're not entitled to know and therefore they're going to have to shade the truth? Are you saying just in general that the, the nature of a politician is they have to prevaricate because that's, that's a, re- a required skill? I think the first one is what they use to justify it. I think the second one is what they do. You, you don't get to their level by being completely open and honest. And that's sad. I truly is sad. I don't think it's exclusive. I don't think it's every politician, but I, I expect that they're, they're lying as a second course of nature because they don't know how to not lie because they, they, they shade it. They, they morally it's moral ambiguity as to, well, I shouldn't say this. So I'll justify it by saying this other thing, but it's, it's for the greater good. It's, it's because the public doesn't need to know. And eventually they're constantly lying. They're just, just lying to you ad nauseum. Uh, they grandstand. They, they, they make up stories. They selectively give pieces of information, which they know to be false when they're giving it. And they still do it anyway. And that's on both sides. I'm not. Absolutely. One side well, and again, I think it depends on how we look at lying in a political context, meaning for instance, do you intend to support X policy, Mr. Politician? And the answer is, even though the politician already knows, I'm either going to, I'm either going to support it or not support it. I'm not sure. Need to do more research. Okay. That in the philosophical, in the Christian worldview of, is that a lie? Yes, it's a lie. You've, you, you know what you're going to do. You've already made a decision. You've omitted that material information and told somebody, yeah, I, I really haven't decided. That's lying. Now, do I look at that and find that to be a fundamental moral flaw? No, because in that context, it's it's almost impossible to navigate that world without engaging in that sort of thing all the time. Now, if you're you're flat out, you know, misrepresenting hugely material things, you know, where were you on this date? Did you do this with that? Then, then okay. To me, there are. And again, I'm not I'm not a moral relativist, but I do think that there are things that we call lies, which if you're going to stick with the strict definition are lies that are simply part of that process. And maybe someone respond to that and say, that's why I never want to be a part of it, because yeah. you can't you can't maintain a level of integrity that would be required of a Christian uh, to be in that world, because those are the sorts of things that you have to do all the time. And I'm not willing to do them. And fair enough. Uh, I think that's a, that's a legitimate critique, but just, just to say that was a lie, you know, like the Washington post has their, their ridiculous database keep of supposed, you know, 87, 11 billion lies that have been told by Donald Trump. Now, first of all, it's interesting. I don't think we actually had a similar counter during the benevolent reign of one Barack Obama. They really weren't interested. But the other thing is, if you look at many of the things that they're claiming are lies, they're not lies at all. They're subjective political disagreements that they have called lies. So, yeah, I I don't know. But so your assumption that you're being lied to is probably one that is more often than not accurate Uh, in some way, shape, or form. Well, you just think about this. These are people who have to have to tell, may have to tell you something you do not want to hear. When I when I'm going out and, the, and Joe the plumber says, "I my business has gone away, COVID has destroyed me. What are you going to do to help me? I'm going to go get you money. There's no money to have, but I'm going to tell you that because you need to hear that, or at least I think that you need to hear that, so you'll vote for me 
at the next election. These are people designed, just like actors, they're designed to play a role to get reelected. That's that's the long and the short of it. They 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 only remain in power as long as they get reelected. And if they tell you the truth, not not a national security reason truth, but if they tell you the truth, you're probably not going to vote for them. And their competitors are going to say, well, I would do a better job because I would never lie to you until they get in power and they want to keep power and then they lie to you too. So campaign promises are made to be broken. Isn't that the old adage? You tell them what they need to hear until you get to the election and you do whatever you were going to do anyway. That's, yeah. that's well, why I feel like I'm being lied to. We've talked about this before, and I'm sure people would challenge me on this, this generalization. But one thing that I do find incredibly galling, although it's a, it's an embedded feature of our political world, is that I believe that in general, um, conservatives are pretty much upfront about their policy agenda. Meaning, you don't have to like it, yeah. but you take somebody like Ted Cruz, whatever. Where do you stand on these issues? First Amendment, energy, foreign policy, abortion, right? It's pretty much, you know, where they stand. I, I like guns. I like religious freedom, right? I support energy production, fossil fuels. I don't believe in the Green New Deal, etc. okay? You don't find that very much on the other side because there is constantly a need for them to pretend that they support things that they clearly don't. So, for instance, you ask somebody like Kamala Harris, you support uh, the First Amendment, freedom of speech? Absolutely. Well, wait a minute. No, you don't. Because what we know about you is that you will immediately tell certain people if their views are not a certain way that don't conform. That we, I will support either by regulation or some type of coercion. You need to be shut up. Well, you don't support the First Amendment. Are you gonna Are you gonna confiscate people's guns? Now, I think she's actually been open about the fact she wants to. But you take your typical progressive; they're never gonna admit that. No, 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 no. I just wanna I wanna take away the the weird giant capacity magazine thingies, right? I don't want to take anyone's guns. That's a flat out lie. And so we can't have an honest discussion between two competing views of the world because, in general, and this. I'll be happy to hear an example of the, the converse of this. If someone wants to say, no, no, conservatives, name whoever it is, frequently misrepresent their policy positions. I'm more than happy to entertain a hypothetical along those lines. But in general, most of the time, particularly because they know they have to appeal to some segment of what we call red state America, you do not have an honest Bernie Sanders is not coming out and telling people, listen, the way that I'm going to give you the glorious Venezuelan economy that I dream of is that you're going to be taxed into oblivion, mm -hmm. right? And the, how I'm going to pay for this is that you're going to have another $4,000 annually coming out of your paycheck. They don't say that. Now, it's true that all politicians sort of nibble around the edges of these things, but for the most part, I think it is much harder for progressives to be honest with people about their agenda because you know what? Fundamentally, they know people don't like it if they know the details. It sounds really great. Our friend made this point today in one of his posts where he said, I want to support people that are trying to alleviate poverty and promote say like it's all these very vaporous generalizations. But when yeah. you drill down to how are you going to do that? What's your policy? Oh, you're going to raise taxes on my family by 35%. Oh, I don't really like that. Yeah. Right. So I do think that there is a major disconnect between the kind of lying that goes on about policy platforms between the two parties. Tell me if you think that I'm, I'm all wet on that. 
I don't think you're totally wrong. And before somebody questions it, Donald Trump was not a conservative. Richard Nixon was not a conservative. Gerald Ford was not a conservative. Ronald Reagan was a conservative. I'm not sure either Bush was truly a conservative in the traditional sense that we would would name them. Cal Coolidge was, but you know every progressive along the way. You say that the morality to say Donald Trump. Okay, I'm not. I'm not arguing Donald Trump doesn't lie. What I am saying is, point me to where he obfuscated about the things that he intended to do. I don't think he when does. he got into the White House. Now you can say, I don't like "Oh, him. you lied because you didn't accomplish them." But in other words, tell me where he said, "I want to do this one thing." When what he really meant was, "I'm going to do the opposite." Right? Yeah. So you know. I'm going to try to build the wall. He said a whole bunch of unpopular stuff that he was going to try to do. And for the most part, he's tried to do those things, even if he hasn't accomplished them. Sure. Right. I, I agree. What I was saying with a progressive, I believe that their opinions change with the mood of the recent poll. Uh, using Hillary or Barack as an example, they were against same sex marriage until they were for it, they were against abortion until they were for it. Uh, it just, it, whatever suits the polls of the time. And again, the memory hole is gone. So a conservative is not allowed to say I've changed my mind and changed my opinion on something, which they don't do that often, but they could. Uh, but a progressive, I can change my mind. Joe Biden, I was against partial birth abortion. I was, uh, whatever. I, I'm a staunch Catholic, except little sisters of the poor. I want to end you and make sure that you have to provide contraception to your employees. Right. But, but I'm a staunch, right. I'm a staunch Catholic. Oh, wait a minute. I'm getting a voice in my ear saying the base doesn't like that. No, I don't anymore. Yes. Right. It's, it's that sort of thing all the time. And that bothers me because I, I don't really know what you stand for. If, if you change as soon as there's a new poll that says you should think like this and you change constantly, I don't know what you actually stand for. So I can only assume whatever you're not telling me is worse than what you are telling me. Right. I assume well, what that. you stand for is what I know you stand for is I want power. Yes, exactly. I will say whatever is required. So you give me power. Yeah. And then once I have power, I'll kind of do what I want. And then, and of course it's for the children. Yeah. I'm going to do what I want for the children. So no worries there. Before we break away, there's this whole issue with the United States Postal Service. Okay. And it's all about the mail-in ballots. Don't don't let any Democrat kid you. Don't let Nancy Pelosi tell you that Donald Trump is trying to destroy the post office. The post office has been failing since the early 2000s when email really kicked in. Forget that. They have removed old mailboxes that are hard to maintain in places that where going on, that's been going on for years. Yes, it's been going on and it will continue to go on. They've removed machines that didn't work. Congress passed a $25 billion, well, sorry, the House passed a $25 billion uh, increase to the Postal Service. They'll tell you it's to save the mail-in ballots. It is not. It is to it give them PPE. All PPE, all the time. Now, I want to put this in perspective. There are about 330 million people in the United States, approximately. About half of those are actually old enough to vote. So you're less than 200 million people who can vote. The U.S. Postal there's claims out there that you know all the things Donald Trump's doing, they're not going to be able to handle the election. They're not going to be able to get your ballot. They handle over 473 pieces of mail per 
day. Per day. There's not going to be 473 pieces of mail-in ballot, even if every single person who voted did a mail-in ballot. It's not even remotely near what they handle every single day. So I'm tired of hearing about how Donald Trump is trying to rig the election by getting rid of the Postal Service. The Postal Service should have nothing to do with the election. Well, that's that's the bigger issue. Okay, so the one thing that, of course, the media will not point out is there are two major Postal Service unions. (laughs) Both of those that represent all the, the, the federal government workers that are part of the Postal Service, and both of those unions have come out publicly in support of, I'll give you one guess, uh, Joe Biden. Oh, is it Joe? I, I was going to guess the yeah. other one. Sorry. Now, now here's the thing. It's not cynical to suggest that, let's say you told all the progressives that all of the mail-in ballots for the, the, the presidential election were going to be handled by volunteers for the NRA. Okay. Yeah. Do you th- think that there would be some people who would be, be squeamish about the possibility that those individuals who have publicly, let's say, adopted a MAGA worldview would couldn't really or shouldn't be trusted in handling the sanctity of the vote? I have a feeling there would be certain people, uh, New York Times editorialists, many other deep thinkers who might say that's just an unacceptable conflict of interest. I think the same thing applies to an organization that is going to be handling millions of ballots who are on the record as saying our union actively supports one of the two people contesting the presidential election. Again, maybe that's just me because I'm a very cynical Uh, I don't have a very good view of human character, but I can certainly envision a scenario where let's say a whole bunch of ballots get deep sixed somewhere or a whole bunch of extra ballots get filled out by someone who is a very enterprising individual who wants to help and assist a whole bunch of other people kind of get recommended on who they might need to vote for. It's just not a really good scenario. Am I indicting? 99% 99% of the of the postal service workers no i'm sure most of them are honest they'll do their job neutrally but it's not a good look when the party that is handling the election and the ballots have taken an active an open and active position which says we support the one guy and we don't like the other guy i mean am i am i crazy to think this well here's so i recently moved and I have informed delivery from the United States Postal Service. You know what informed delivery is? Uh, no. Okay, so you can sign up with your address. Uh, they send you a, a code in the mail. And you can see a scanned picture of every piece of mail that comes to you or the day it's supposed to come to you. Sometimes it's a day or two late but based on that. You can see everything coming to you. So the previous owners, I, I didn't know their political affiliation prior to buying the house. Since I've got informed delivery, I see things that end up getting forwarded to them. I know their political affiliation based on the mail they've received. So am I to believe that a mail carrier in certain swing states where it might be really important not to have certain ballots make it back for the counting? Yeah, I believe that's possible. Do I think every mail carrier will do that? No. But you don't need every mail carrier to do it. I think most would? No. No. But it doesn't take many. No. 
And if you're going to tell me that you're looking at our current political environment where you have people rioting in the streets and we could go down the litany of stories where you've seen this sort of thing yep. people because guess what uh despite what you've heard in the media voter fraud exists yes. uh, look up tammany hall look up machine politics okay this is not a new thing under the sun if you're going to tell me that there's no possibility that there could be any tainting any temptation to shred certain ballots not deliver other ones well you know what i'm just not willing to live in your fairy story Right. And that's a problem. So I think that we've talked about this before. The mail-in balloting push is entirely unnecessary and is for one reason only. It's because they get to cheat more when you have mail-in ballots. That just, that's just reality. Well, You may say, Tony, that's ridiculous. You're wearing your tinfoil hat. Look, Fauci himself, the great seer, right? The great and powerful Oz has said there's no reason why people can't go to the polls in person and do it safely. Well, you know what? That's all I need to hear. If yeah. it's coming from the Fauci stone tablets, <laughs> then we must be good to go. So let's find a way to make it happen. And again, this is not absentee ballots. That's a different thing. But mass mail-in balloting. Also, we've talked about this. You see where it's already being done in Petri dish testing in states is a disaster. Well, right? wasn't, wasn't They're validating thousands of them. They can't count them on time. Just imagine if we have a presidential election and we've got four or five or three swing states that hang in the balance. And you know what? We're not going to know for three days. Oh, and by the way, do you think then there might be an incentive to put your thumb on the scale as you're a vote counter in Pennsylvania, knowing that if it goes the wrong way, the bad orange man is going to rule for four more years? You better believe it. Yeah. Well, what was it? I think it was Nevada. They, <clears throat> they sent out twice as many ballots as there were voters which I'm not sure how that happens. Well, uh, everyone should just do two. Apparently that was the thought. If we get twice as many, we'll get, we'll count half of them and we'll get the right number. It, it just, it's ripe for fraud on both sides. Don't get me wrong. I think there will be fraud on both sides, but when the unions are involved and the unions are the one carrying the actual ballots back and forth, I just suspect there could be some other, you, you're right. The ballot may never arrive. Or if it does get put back in the mail, it never actually makes it to its destination. You only need a certain population, a certain number of people to do this. And you've got, it's conspiracy, but you Let's put it this way. There's far too much temptation yes. to behave badly. And there's no reason to present anyone with that temptation. We can, we can eliminate the uh, lesser angels of their nature by doing what we always do is going to the polls and doing your minimal civic duty and casting a vote. And if you can't manage to do it, I'm sorry, you can vote next time. Yes. You, you get the other option. So uh, the post office thing, it's a red herring for other things and there's nothing. The Democrats do not care one whit about the United States postal service other than for the expediency of getting what they want. That's it. They, they haven't cared about them up to this point. Now, suddenly they're ultra caring about the post office. I, I smell something rotten in Denmark here. So, and we're not in Denmark. We should be more like Denmark. Apparently we should be like Lithuania where you have a code and you type it in on a computer. You vote from home, whatever. We're hey, like, don't, don't laugh. We might That's going to be the next proposal. You, you never know. You never know. That's all I got, Tony. You got anything else to share? 
I have nothing. Zero, nada. We are we are okay. finished. All right. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Uh, if you have comments or questions, please uh, give us a call. I may have a rant for next week. I so love we'll rants. See. I love rants, but we'll have to see what happens with that. But give us a call. Let us know what you thought. Uh, I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. Thanks for listening. This has been a Hannah Tree production.